0: Matthew chapter 20. All right. So this chapter starts with a parable of the workers in the vineyard. Uh, I have a hard time with this one. Uh, just to rehash the, a few workers are told they get paid a certain amount they go and work for the day and then people are collected to also work throughout the day. And by the end, they all get paid the same amount, but some haven't worked as much as the others. And the same last will be first. First will be last is said. And I guess I just wonder what, how the idea of like God being just, it's probably obvious, but how that comes into play. This doesn't seem just even though I realize it probably is the ultimate justice but like you know what I mean
1: yeah it's really it's about that uh uh, about you understanding that ultimate justice lies in the hands of God and he can reward according to however he wants but there's really better principles from that and it's that everybody agreed with Uh, they all agreed going in Yeah. And and so he is, and he's done, he does this many times and it really bothers people Mm. like, am I bad? Because I treat someone better when you're getting exactly what you agreed to Mm. ask that in our world, it would be, yeah, you're bad. Yeah. My son worked all day in the vineyard for you and you paid him $10 and this kid shows up at the last hour and you paid him $10. You're a bad man. And he's showing no. No, I can do what I want. And it was all in accordance with what was agreed upon. But the bigger principle of it is this. The people who first came in were laborers. They were going to work their way to earn from the master. Okay. And more laborers came in and they did less and less work. Till it comes to the final hour where the last to come in they get paid the same amount and they did no work. And it's really a picture for works versus grace. Mm. Who can labor your whole life trying to do the works of God? He's going to pay you the same amount that he pays somebody who doesn't do anything, but just believes and accepts the invitation to come in and labor. It's not based on your work. It's based on theirs. It's, based, it's not based on the worker's work. It's based on his goodness.
0: Would you say that like rewards in heaven then are likened to like the rewards that the laborers reap from just hard work? Like they learned something that the other workers didn't probably they gained character or something like, is that what rewards are?
1: It, it seems like what the the lesson is, whatever you are given to do, do it and be grateful for what you're rewarded with. Yeah. Some people live the whole lives in that garden, work in that workplace. Other people work just the last part of their lives and came to know Jesus when they were 90. Either way, just accept that your place was your place and he is not going to treat you unjustly. And so the question we have to ask people is, is it unjust for God to give people who come in in the last hour, the same reward he gives people who came in at the first? And the answer is absolutely. We're not, we don't work like, he doesn't work like our economy works.
0: It's more that, well, is it unjust if he is just like, is it more that we trust? Oh, you said it was unjust.
1: No, he's never unjust. He's always, that's why we can rely on him. But those workers, those Jews were mad because they had labored under the law all day long. And now these Gentiles who never had the law are walking in and getting paid the same amount.
0: Of course, I didn't think of it in terms of Jews and
1: Gentiles. Yeah, it's always gonna be something relative to the kingdom coming into it. Why you're saved? Who saves you? It's not your works. It's not your suffering. It's the will of God inviting all. So don't be mad if someone else gets something that's better than you. You 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 would be you got a great deal. You only had to work for an hour, man, and you got as, <laughs> as I did. The flesh does not think that way, and it's
0: and it's deciding to trust that it is just. Yeah. Like if he's just, then the the responsibility is for us to trust that what is going on is just yes and not and that's correct. so wrong. yeah you no
1: know, like for instance mom and I love her to death but mom looks around and sees wealthy people and thinks they have it all and god's going to let them come into the kingdom because they're going to say they believe on him and she doesn't trust his justice mm-hmm. she thinks that he's too good to trust And we need to have it fair, more fair. That's the way the law works, you see. And eye for eye, tooth for tooth. No, that is not how the grace of God works. He wants somebody on the cross dying to accept him. And he'll say, you get to be with me in paradise. While Peter's out there saying, we've left all. Peter.
0: Peter. Okay, so we can move on then to um, this moment where Jesus, the the Bible app says Jesus predicts his death a third time. Mm. Um, there's not much. He just says, "I'm not much." He just says that he's gonna die for these different reasons. The people are gonna put him to death, and on the third day, he'll be raised to life. And then there's no answer. Is it just that he, it, he just has to, it has to be noted that he said these things, do you think? Or? I'm guessing
1: that's why Matthew wrote that. Okay. I don't know. I mean, he tells them all the time and all the time they re- either remember or forget. Okay.
0: Okay. So the mother of Zebedee's sons then asks him to grant, did I say it wrong?
1: Yeah. No, I love it. <laughs>
0: to sit at his side in the kingdom (laughs) jesus says that's not his to grant can they drink of the cup yes they can it's the father that prepares that um just can you just explain to me like i still don't fully get like what it means to be at his side because then he ends up telling the disciples that they wait what does he say? Oh, I thought he was going to tell them that they're at his side. I don't know why oh. I thought that. But what does that mean to be at his side?
1: At Jesus' side or the Father's side or the Apostles there?
0: Oh. oh, I guess it is. Grant that the one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left. So Jesus is.
1: That's that's imagery that uh, harkens back to kings and monarchs. And they had people on their side to do their bidding. So it was a position of honor that they would earn. If a king had somebody at their right and left, those were positions of honor in the community. So she is coming for her sons and she's saying, make them great in your kingdom. And he's saying, I can't do that. And again, he's submitting his will to the will of the father. He says, that's my father's job. you know. He, He goes, but he says, if you want to sit at my set, this is indirectly, but he intimates, if you want to be at my side, however, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they readily say, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. But they have no idea what cup he has to drink to to be at the side of his father. Death. He has to be suffering. He's going to give his life. And so he says, can you drink this? And they're like, sure, we can do it. Get it?
0: But he says, you will indeed drink from my cup.
1: Yeah, because all of them were submitted to physical martyrdom after Jesus ascended into heaven. They were all put to death in different ways, except for John, okay? So they all, he says, Jesus dies, resurrects, comes back, goes to the beach, Peter's there. And he says, Peter, when you were young, you walked wherever you wanted. And you had a great time. He said, the time is coming where they're going to bind you and take you where you don't want to go. And the history shows that Peter was taken and crucified upside down and put to put to death by crucifixion. Why upside down? Was he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Lord was. So crucify me upside down. But Jesus prophesied, you're going to sub. So when he says, you're going to drink of this cup, believe me, you know, but they didn't understand that yet. So when he asked him, can you drink in a cup? They're like, yes, we can. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're just going to wait on that one.
0: Is that common, the common understanding for that?
1: With with people who understand the scripture, yeah. That's nothing new.
0: That's wild. We yeah. didn't know that that's what that meant. Um,
1: so he could, indirect, we could indirectly say that he says to the mother, hey, mother. Are you willing to let your sons go through what I'm about to go through? You want them to sit on my right and left side? Are you willing to watch them go through what I'm going to? And if she knew, she'd probably be, no, no. Right. So he's like calling them out without their knowledge and letting them know, you don't know what you're asking. Hmm.
0: So Jesus, Jesus, as he walks along, he does these miracles and things that is when he does something and says like you're saved or you're healed or whatever that's the father working through him or him deciding
1: i mean always the father work he gives everything in his mortal life to the father i
0: didn't i didn't realize that he had he does not have that say on who's saved he's just the the sacrificial lamb Until he
1: overcomes it for Uh us, then he becomes all in all. He, he then is deified. He becomes the God Man, and he, the Father, puts all things into his hands.
0: So that's why we now go through him. Like maybe I thought that because I don't feel like we go to the Father; we go through Jesus.
1: We go through Jesus, but that is an old. That's a New Testament uh, trope as well. Because the New Testament says that there would come a time when God would give everything into his son's hands, then his son would ultimately turn around and give it all back to his father, so that God could be all in all. And so when we read the Bible now, and we still take Jesus, it's important for faith to grow in that way, because that is how we have access to the Father. But God has been reconciled to the world now because of Jesus, and everybody has access to him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So our access is because Jesus did what he did. Yeah. But we don't have to go through Jesus anymore. We have access. Well, what would you say?
1: I, I don't have to. I don't know how to put it. It's like if you have someone who did it ahead of you, and there, he has a spirit, the spirit of Christ, it talks about. And you get the spirit of Christ, then that spirit's still operative in us today, 2000 years later. So I don't remove him from the picture for those reasons. But like, if we're talking just about pure method laid out to do it, yeah, it's done. He's okay. done.
0: Yeah. So we like, you would say we're directly like praying to the Father like god
1: I do it in jesus name because in flesh he is the one in our flesh that understands that and gives it to the father mm. and it starts to get dicey and nuanced and all sorts of problems but here's the reason i make a point of it in that way is because many people believe he hasn't come back yet and so what they think is when jesus is still a mediator between them and god mm-hmm. when they are do a sin jesus will satan will go god look at they sin and jesus will say they believe on me father don't worry about it and they believe that intermediation is still going on but the whole of scripture suggests no god has been reconciled to the whole world because of christ The mediation is done. That's why there's no sin. It's been paid for in full. It's a heavy, deeper uh, theological concept.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that. Even with all of the fulfillment stuff, I thought he was still, I've always put it like that.
1: No, because the scripture says he will be at his father's side until, until, and then Paul says, and it will be until uh, he has overcome all things. And then he will give all things back to his father. And that's what caused me to change my view on eschatology because the until is proven in scripture to have happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: That's wild. Yeah. That's like a big deal.
1: (laughs) It's a big deal. It's a huge deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, not to move on past it so quickly but (sighs) okay so I also just bought on that story with the Zebedee's mom and the sons that it was kind of funny that oh two things I thought it was funny that the disciples were indignant with the two brothers for asking this for
1: some
0: very funny But it says when the 10 heard about this. Yeah. What's that? 10 instead of the
1: 10 other apostles. There was 12 in total still together. Judas hasn't left them. So there were 12 apostles. So when the other 10 heard that these two's mother got involved, they got indignant.
0: Oh, those two were disciples?
1: Yeah, they were apostles.
0: Oh. So
1: their mother, the sons of Zebedee, their mother comes in and says, you know, these guys have given their life to you, Jesus. She's a typical Jewish mother. Oh. And the other ones are like, "Who is?"
0: (laughs) I didn't realize that they, I thought they were just random boys.
1: No, no, no. These are, so you can see the internecine (laughs) infighting that goes on with people.
0: So funny. Uh Uh, Okay. Jesus called them together. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them; their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you.
1: Isn't this this is really a big uh, teaching? Okay, this is how the world works. When he says, Gentiles, their rulers exercise dominion over them. Okay, now read.
0: Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many.
1: So he tells you the way to really advance yourself in the kingdom of God. And that is to lose yourself, lose all the things you think are important that the Gentiles hold up, being famous, being rich, lose all that and you will be great. And it's a personal thing you choose to do because you know that, Operating by those ways is only of your flesh. It's only of pride. So he says, "Hey, we don't look for the greatest here in flesh and money. The greatest in the kingdom are those who lose it all. Mm -hmm. Hard stuff."
0: The thing that's been hard for me about that is becoming a servant and the right. There's a way to do it, and there's a way to not do it. Like become, like you could be a servant to these powers or you know to money or to do you
1: know what I yeah, mean? He's not talking he's, again, he's talking about a servant to him. To him. Yeah.
0: But and that manifests like how that manifests materially is
1: in-, in love. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. What's his commandment? To believe in love. So you'll know other true Christians by their love if they are entitled in this world if they're proud if they're all those things you they can profess belief but it's by their love you'll know them and the love is selfless sacrificial and insufferable yeah you're getting the you're getting the deep discipline stuff now <laughs> As closer to the cross he turns up the heat on the teachings
0: that seems like that we're getting close yeah um and just the last story in matthew 20 is two blind men receive their sight by calling out to jesus as he's walking by them and they do it even after they're rebuked by the crowds and um jesus touches their eyes and they're healed i thought it was interesting that or can I don't know, something to note that they called it having mercy on them, like have mercy on us implied healing, which yeah. is, I've never thought of that like physically. I don't know what was missing there, but I haven't thought of it like that. Like mercy seems like something that is currently being acted upon you that you like say let up. And I guess that's this case for blindness, but mm-hmm. do you have thoughts and the-
1: on that? the Jews of that day were really under the impression that whatever ailment you had you you deserved it. Oh. And so instead of saying uh forgive me for my sins, he's saying have mercy for the things I've done wrong and by showing mercy would give them back what they lost due to sin. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So he's saying have mercy on on me, you know, and he's like here's my mercy.
0: That is so gnarly to think that a physical ailment,
1: wow. Well... well, in some sense, it does make sense because of our warped minds and ways we can misinterpret information and substances and cause our own illnesses. Mm-hmm. That's what the psychology business is on is to help get your mind right so everything else And so in some ways, uh, like even M. Scott Peck, the great psychologist or uh, psychiatrist, he said, all mental illness is the result of sin. All mental illness is the result of sin. Why? Because sin is out of harmony with a healthy way of living. And when you sin, you start to compile mental illness and and so that's, and, and he makes a, like a um, theoretical assessment of it, but I think there's something to it, but the Jews just wanted to be relentless, and if somebody had a deformed hand, they'd be like, you've been a sinner, and you, we don't even get near you, and not realizing they all deserved blindness, they all deserve to be deformed. Oh,
0: that's interesting. I could see yeah. the M. Um, Scott Peck comment. Yeah. Makes more sense to me the older I get. Okay. Um, Well, that's it for 20. We're about at 20 minutes anyway. So on to the next. Goodbye.